0: Good evening. Our uh, reading this week will be concluding the book of Deuteronomy. So, if you never read the book of Deuteronomy and you just read straight through it, God bless you. Congrats. You did good. Um, there's a lot in the book of Deuteronomy, very rich, and we're going to look at it. I think what we're going to look at tonight is going to give a good summary of uh, that text. And so, we're going to be looking in Deuteronomy 32 mostly. At the Song of Moses. I've never gotten to preach on the Song of Moses or to do any more, do much in depth study into it. But tonight I hope this being very encouraging to you and you'll see a common theme throughout it. And why God would command Moses to write this song. Before we get in our message, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We ask that you make our hearts and our minds ready now to receive your word. Father, help us to look at the scriptures that we're reading and to gain great insight and wisdom from it. Father, help us, allow us in our studies that these studies from Deuteronomy will, will change us. And We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So tonight we look in Deuteronomy 32. Again, the song of Moses. And as you hear that, you might be thinking, I've heard something like that before. It's come up before, and we'll look at that in some detail where you may have heard of it. But what good is a hymn for warning people about rebelling against God? Do we have songs like that? We've got a few of them like that. And so I know my kids had a favorite song, There's a Great Day Coming, and so had a warning to it, and yes, it had hope in it as well. Those songs are good, and they need to be sung. And as I was going through the Song of Moses, the first thing I was thinking about is, wow, there's a lot of warning in this, you know. And this is a song that's supposed to be passed on among children and be sung among them and to be passed on to the next generation. It just didn't, you know, it doesn't sound like a children's song. We have children's songs today that our kids know will be passed on. and And I guess any family members who go astray, and they hear those songs again, they'll be reminded of those things. And so we see here the, the importance of, of singing. And what I'm going to emphasize that throughout is the importance of songs and singing, and specifically um, their messages. So God's instruction for this song. Why did God warn Moses to write a song just before his death? So Moses is told he's going to die, and he's going to go up on the mountain, and God is going to bury him, and nobody knew where he was buried. And we read here a number of things about that and about that destruction. So we're going to get a little bit of context here. So let's open up to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we're going to read verses 19 through 22. Deuteronomy 31, 19 through 22. And this is what we read. God giving instruction to Moses. Now, therefore, write this song and teach to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song will confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today before I brought them into the land that I have sworn to them. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. So this song comes from God through Moses. A few things that stand out to me as I'm reading that. The purpose of the song. God commanded Moses to write this song, again, to teach Israel, to put it in their mouths, to pass it on to generations and in their offspring. And then he also says here that the song is a witness And you read that that witness, we looked at that a number of times, Deuteronomy 17, Deuteronomy 19, the standard for evidence is two or more witnesses. And then you've got multiple witnesses that God has given. The law before this, in Deuteronomy 31, 24 to 29, is said a witness. It is a witness. It is testifying about your actions, whether you've done right or wrong, whether you've done evil. So a witness is not merely, biblically speaking, is not merely a person Who saw it? It is the witness of God, and it is a record. So a written record can also work as a witness. A monument can. And now a song here, the song of Moses, is to be a witness. And the song will live on again in the mouths of their children and offspring. And it's a witness in troubled times. So what is in this song that will be helpful when Israel faces trials after they come to rebel against God? God says they're going to rebel against him how is it going to affect them? We're going to look at some of the words here and some of the statements that stand out. In the beginning of our study in Deuteronomy, we've noticed that it is a book of theology. It tells us a lot about who God is. And we are reminded of that in this song. And there's some powerful statements here. I remember taking classes in, in, in school, graduate school and undergrad and biblical studies. And was we're studying... A theology, these passages from uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, for, for instance, are crucial. They tell you who God is, at the very core. So we're going to look at that a bit further. But what good are Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Why do we sing them? You know, in the New Testament, it tells us we read Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, and we read that we are to speak to one another. in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, teaching and admonishing one another, And we read in Colossians that we do so giving thanks to God. The purpose of it is for teaching, for warning, for admonition, uh, for exhortation, for encouragement, and also to thank God for all the blessings that he's given us. Uh, Singing is very important. We're commanded to sing. It's an imperative. I think some people come to church and think, oh, the singing is nice, but I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to do that. No, if you're a Christian, you sing. Now, if you are not the best singer, you can kind of whisper-sing, I guess. That would help everybody. But you need to sing, all right? And sing and, and say those words because they're important, and you need to listen to them and to hear them. It's very good for us to do that. So we look at this divine song that Israel has received. From the beginning, the song, it calls people to receive it, listen to what is going to be spoken. and Because these, you know, it begins with describing itself, the song, God is giving us to Moses, described as drops of rain on tender grass. In other words, it's refreshing, it's good for you, it's good for growth, it's going to produce something in you, and it might not be quite the song that you would be expecting, but this is how it begins. Deuteronomy 32, 1-3. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord and ascribe the greatness to our God. And so this is for Israel to speak. It's been given to them by God. and calls people to listen to this song that has been given to them. Uh, And it it is to restore them. Now, if you're faithful and you're in Israel, this song should not be discouraging to you at all. It should be a song about, well, we're not going to go down that road. We're not going to be a part of that. But we're going to remember this song. And we're going to take it to heart and continue to learn about who our creator is. Here's that passage I was referencing earlier about God, to know who God is. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4. So the idea and the description of God being the rock, he is the foundation. It is throughout the scriptures and it's throughout this song. He is the rock. He he is the one who is unmovable. He is the basis for everything that we believe. It says his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. You know, some people talk about God and they say, well, God does things that I don't like. I don't think they're just. And why God do you treat me this way? Kind of a statement. But we shouldn't respond that way. We shouldn't even think that way. But there are many who do. And you have a reminder here in this song that The the true God is the rock, the foundation. His work is perfect. He is is just in every way. And it says a God of faithfulness. He's trustworthy. You can rely on Him. That's the idea of the rock. He is perfect. He is just. He is faithful without iniquity. God does not sin. Now, all the false gods that have ever been invented, all the demonic gods, I'll come to that in a moment, that people have come up with, They allow them to sin, to do evil, to be imperfect like them. It would be a very strange thing for uh, people to come up with the supreme God, the ultimate God, who never sins and always is just. I don't think that would be in the sinful nature of man to want that God. It wouldn't be. It would be only in the goodness and the righteousness of men to want to worship the God, the creator of everything. And who he is, he is that rock, and he is just and upright as he, he is without iniquity. He is faithful. God is the rock. God's works are perfect and just in every way. He is faithful. And so you start looking at just these descriptions. I went up there and put them on the screen again. You have multiple things describing who God is. That's the beginning. Come and listen. This is like drops of rain on tender grass. Know who your God is. When you you understand this passage from the very beginning, it is refreshing to think about who God is. He is in control. He is faithful. He's the one we rely on. But as people, we need hymns to remind us who God is because we don't want to forget. Our songs are good for that reason. Israel needed a song. They had to be given one. And this is not the only song of Moses. There's Psalm 90 as well. But this one is recorded here in the end of Deuteronomy reminding us of the creator and why we should never rebel from him and why he does the things that he does so we start thinking about the song of moses you might think of oh, what oh the song of moses and the lamb well that's another song song of moses and the lamb comes later and it's a song that's sung in heaven awaiting god's justice um, upon the wickedness that was in the world that we read about in the book of revelation now, i could give more context to that but i'm gonna leave it right there Revelation 15, verses 3 through 4 says, this is the song, this is what they said. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So, fitting, very fitting song to be right there in the book of Revelation. I've not read this in uh, Greek to see if there's any kind of meter to it, to see how it would come out. Um, I think uh, maybe I have, I just don't remember it. But anyways, when you look at it, though, you get the the point of it. It's an adoration, it's a praise of God. We need to praise God. We need to adore Him. We need to glorify Him. We need to talk about how great He is. Because it's it's more than... It's more than just God saying, I want worship. It's for our own good. You need that. You need to sing. You need to say those words. And you need to praise God. And I thank God that we have that instruction in the scriptures, especially emphasized in the New Testament that we sing together. So hymns remind us of who God is, and they remind us of what he does. Because sometimes people are senseless. And that's what God is going to say here about those who rebel against him. They are not in the right mind. So let's look at a few points here from this song that goes on a little bit further because I'm not gonna read all of it uh, tonight. It says for all the nations of the world it says God it says I have allotted, I have taken Jacob's people, Israel as heritage and that is emphasized in the psalm. So God gave Jacob and his nation all that they needed in abundance. He says, I've provided for you. I've given you land. I've given you food. I've given you all these blessings. blessings. They've come from me. I'm the one who brought you in and put you into the land. And he's reminding them of this because there's coming a day when they are going to fall away. We read here that the nation of Israel, again, will rebel against God who made them and saved them from from trouble and need it is god who saved them he is god who has rescued them it is god who has made them who they are but they they ignore him and it's a very strange thing it reminds me um i keep thinking on act 17 and paul's words at areopagus where he says god is not far from each one of us he's not far and so there's no excuse for not knowing who your god is and then he says they would serve other gods they become unmindful of god it just seems foolish the very thought of that not knowing your god it also reminds me of the gospel of john chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 where you have a description there that the word came into the world and the world didn't know him they didn't understand him they didn't know who christ was and here were the word god came in the flesh and they did not know their creator. Why? Because they chose not to. This is a very um, fascinating scripture right here. Deuteronomy 32, 16 through 18. And this will come out in another sermon I have in regards to demons. So look at this. Deuteronomy 32, 16 through 18. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, But why is God getting jealous over this? Why is he jealous? Because these are his people and he made them and they're made in his likeness and he loves them and he's given everything for them. And yet there's a sense of which when we rebel against God, God can be annoyed. He has emotions and that's what we're doing when we do wicked things. And it says, and with abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no God's. Who are they really worshipping? They're worshipping demons. Are demons at work today? Yes. And idolatry in many other ways. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you see Paul reflecting on this when he says, You can't eat of the table of the Lord and of the table of demons. What's he saying? You can't eat the Lord's Supper and then go into an idol's temple and get your, your free food over there that's been dedicated to another god. And that's what some of them were doing. And so Moses has this revelation from God in this song that he's written, and it says, who are they really worshiping? It says, they sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known. And what happens to them? Those gods can't help them. They don't provide for them. They don't save them. They haven't made them. They don't give them anything. And it's all God. What is God to do with this? Well, he's got to leave them alone. If you're going to worship other people. the end result of it. You're not going to continue to get God's blessings when you do that to gods they've never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded, you are unmindful of the rock that bore you. You're unmindful of the foundation, where you started from. And you forgot the God who gave you birth, who gave you life. And there's so many scriptures that come to mind when I read that. They just come up all over the place in the New Testament that God is the one who's given us life and breath, and everything. And the very idea that people would betray Him or ignore Him or dismiss Him. Very peculiar. Why would God be angry with a people whom He's made, whom He's saved, whom He's given blessings to, and they no longer sought Him? Well, God does. He has anger, and a just anger. And there's no sin in it. He's right to be angry. As we come down to the end of Deuteronomy into this song of Moses. We see this in Deuteronomy 32, 34 to 38. And he starts to reveal what's going to happen. God's way is always the victorious way. And anybody who goes counter to him will reap the fruit of it. He says this, Is not this laid up in store with me, sealed in my treasuries? Vengeance is mine, and recompense for the time when their, their foot shall slip. Does that sound familiar? Vengeance is mine. I think about it in Romans 12 and other scriptures we continue to read. God says, vengeance is mine. For the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. God doesn't want this, but they brought it upon themselves. They have rebelled against him. They have denied him. They have turned against Yahweh to other gods. And so we read about this and we see what God has done. It says, for the Lord will vindicate his people. See, there's coming a time in which he will restore those who come to him. See, Yahweh, Jehovah God, will vindicate His people and have compassion on His servants. And when He sees that their power is gone, it's talking about these false gods, there, there's no power. The people, they have no power. The power is gone and there's none remaining, bond or free. All the people are, don't have anything. And then He will say, where are their gods? Where are their gods? Where's the rock in which they took refuge? He can't help you. Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Where is that God? Or those gods, those false gods that they've invented and come up with? Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. Interesting. All the foolishness, the things that people do today. I think I mentioned before, we were driving down the road and I saw a bumper sticker here in town. And The bumper sticker said, I have more gods than you do. Something to that effect. It was something about, they were boasting about, they have so many gods, thousands of gods. Um, I imagine they were Hindu or New Age, whatever it would be. And and they were boasting of that. What's going to happen on that day when they've been ignoring the god and they've been going after false gods who are essentially demons or, or the product of demons? They're not going to be able to help them. There's no protection there. There's no blessing. So, this song God has given through Moses is to remind them of this. Here's another great um, statement about who God is, Jehovah God. And so, we got it at the beginning in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4, and then we get it for the end. You, you see this kind of pattern of uh, uh, chiasm where you got A, B, C, C, B, A pattern. Um, And here again, it is in Scripture. God calling his people not to forget who God is. So we see Deuteronomy 32 and verse 39. See now that I, even I, am he. I am. And there is no God beside me. We've heard that throughout the book of Deuteronomy. There is nobody else. Don't think it. Don't wonder about it. They're not there. He says, I kill and I make alive. Now, why does he say, I kill and I make alive? Well, God can give life and he can take it. We see that throughout Scripture. But he says, kill first and then make alive. He can revive. He can restore. And in the context here, look at the next line. He says, I wound and I heal. God has the right and the ability to do that. But if he can wound and heal, then he can kill and he can resurrect. That's the idea there. This is one of those key passages on the teaching of resurrection. And then he says, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. God says, everything is in my hand. There's no escaping this. And so the message is obey God's command. I encourage you tonight as as we completed and we looked at a number of these points in the song of Moses, obey God's command to sing. Remember your creator. Even if you're coming and you're having a hard day or whatever the struggle may be, even if you have a cold, try to sing because it's good for you. You need to do it and it's a blessing. I think it's very peculiar this year that you've seen certain governors and officials telling people don't go to church and, and certainly don't sing. And I'm thinking, God told us to. I don't think uh, that's going to, to kill people. The songs are powerful, especially when they're taken to heart. And I love this song of Moses, because it's not quite what we would have written. You can open up your songbook and look up a lot of different songs, um, and none of them are going to be anything quite like this. And I wish sometimes I look at a number of our songs and I, I want more songs that are just Scripture and Bible-based. I know there's, there's liberty, yes. that you can, you can use some of that artistic liberty to say some great things in songs. But there's something about just singing Scripture, singing these words, these psalms we've already got that have been given to us by God and by the Holy Spirit and it's very powerful. As we conclude, I want to, we'll look at this passage here. What did Moses do with this song? Well, he kept God's command, and we see here in Deuteronomy 32, 44 to 47, Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. And remember, Joshua's going to take Moses' place soon as their leader. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all these words by which I'm warning you today. It is a song of warning. That you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life, your life depends on these words. And by this word you shall live long in the land, that you are going over, that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You know, we think about the blessings that, that we have being given, the heavenly country that God promises to us. We need to be reminded of that. We need to sing songs about being obedient to God's word so that we can have that eternal life that God promises to us. And the song of Moses reminds us of that the power of a song and of words that we learn and we recite and we take to heart. There's a new day coming. Whether we um, don't wake up tomorrow morning or we make it to the resurrection or what might happen to us, we're going to get to sing a new song, the song of Moses and the Lamb. And we get to worship our Creator and adore Him, and we look forward to that. If you have any reason tonight to think that uh, you need to repent and come back to the Lord and remember Him again so that someday you can sing that song. We want to encourage you to do that, to believe and confess your faith, repent, and be baptized. You need prayers, we encourage you. We encourage you to come right now. Let's sing together. I know the Lord.